What is up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Berluminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And today, I am going to tell you a story. In 1944, in a small part of Hungary near Budapest, George Soros was a thin boy who had just turned 13. On this day, he was summoned by the Jewish council and given a task. Each morning, he was to deliver slips of paper to different families in the area. These orders were handed down from the German high command. The slips of paper had a few lines of handwriting on them, which said, quote, Report tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock at the Rabbinical Seminary in Rock Sildred Street. Please bring with you a blanket and food for two days. George showed the summons and list of families to his father. His father instantly recognized the people on the list. They were all Hungarian Jewish lawyers. The year before, George's father, also a Jew, got his hands on some paperwork that changed his status from Jew to Christian. His father told him, You tell these people that if they report to that address, they will be deported. George always did as his father said. The next morning, he went and delivered the summons. One of the lawyers he handed the sheet of paper to ignored his warning and said, Tell your father that I am a law-abiding citizen, that I have always been a law-abiding citizen, and I am not going to start breaking the law now. George had no idea at the time that the people he delivered the papers to were going to be put on trains and sent to concentration camps where they would be gassed. What are the realities of George Soros's actions during World War II? Why is he the literal devil to most people that are deep in the red-pilled spectrum? Do they have a reason to hate him? Is he evil or just misunderstood? Today on Berluminati, we are going to find out. But first, Jake, what you drinking? Pickles. <laughs> just pickles just pickles is that a weckle i was i was sitting here like vibrating waiting to say the word pickles i was like come on get through this stuff i know i know i know, I know. like there are people going to gas chambers but pickles oh my god um yeah okay very serious topic but pickles yeah so there is a brewery down clayton ways is in clayton or garner clayton deep river clayton right yeah, yeah. johnson county's oldest quote-unquote legal brewery yep uh, but they put the legal in like shifty little quotations. Yeah. Basically saying like they've been around before that. Yeah. Um, and they did a collaboration with R&R Brewing out of Mount Olive, North Carolina. And John, remind me again, what comes from Mount Olive, North Carolina? Pickles. What kind of pickles? Mount Olive pickles. Yeah. Which used to be number one in your worldview. Well, well, hold on. Well, hold on. Oh, oh, hold oh, on. Oh, oh. Oh, there's a big difference between <laughs> a Mount Olive dill yep. and a Wickle. There is. Those, they're totally different. I still love Mount Olive dills. They are the best of the dills, period. Okay. If you're out here trying to tell me Clawson is the best, they're not. And I don't even know what the other one is. What's the other one? I don't know. Something with a stork. Yeah. You know, he was a mailman, that stork. Was he? Yeah, I guess it was delivered. Well, pickles. he can mail his stupid pickles somewhere else. Because <laughs> Mount Olive dills are where it's at. I don't sure. need any other pickles that Mount Olive makes other than dills. Wickles are a whole other different game. It's a whole different kind of pickle. So I agree. 
They are both delicious and good for different reasons. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is the guy who's been texting me pictures of empty wickle jars (laughs) and I have not been seeing empty pictures of Mount Olive pickle jars. I mean, there's uses for dill and there's uses for wickles. I I would say there are more uses for wickles than there is for dills. I agree. At least for me in my house, like I'm not going to just like go to my fridge and start eating pickle dill pickle chips. Sure. If I had baby dills. Yeah, I do do that. Well, those will be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyways, wiggles are better. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so deep river brewing, which um, I think I might have reviewed their no collaboration stout that I really enjoy. I may, I either reviewed it or talked about it. It's a, it's a pretty hefty stout. They put out seasonally uh, that I'm a big fan of and they do double bourbon barrel brewing port brewing port barrel brewing and this year they did a whiskey cinnamon barrel brewing which interesting tastes like a hefty stout mixed with uh fireball which is good that sounds good pretty good yeah all right um all of them are super heavy but anyways deep river is really good they make that wango tango foxtrot which is good yeah it's fine yeah Mango Tango Foxtrot? Mango yeah. Tango yeah. Foxtrot, yeah. Um, but anyways, what I happen to be drinking is a collaboration called a Dill Pickle Lager. Um, I think the name of it is officially Pickle Town, and it comes in uh, one pint cans from down there. They called it Tributary Series. Um, and the jar, or the jar, the can looks a lot like a Mount Olive Pickle Jar. Yeah, extremely I mean, reminiscent. Kind of Uncanny Valley. Of yeah. It, you know, um, comes in at 4.5%. Uh, alcohol and on the back they've got a label very reminiscent of a pickle jar label and it says pickles have been an important food group to our team since we opened our doors when our friends at R&R Brewery opened in Mount Olive North Carolina it made perfect sense to partner with them to create a pickle beer which was near and dear to both of our hearts and more importantly our stomachs enjoy a unique twist on a jar full of pickles and then there's a little note that says there's 50 pickles used per pint which is a lot. Yeah, that seems like steep way more because <laughs> I tasted this beer. It does you not could, taste like 50. You pickles. could crush 50 pickles and well fill a, jar, a one pie jar. Oh, way more than that. Yeah, even if they were baby, baby pickles, like little tiny pickles. Yeah, see, when I'm thinking they say pickles, what they mean is like full blown big, like a big old honking dill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyways, it, that's a not what dill it tastes honker. like. A big old honker. <laughs> it's, that's not what it tastes like. This is actually like so so last year I had a pickle gose by some brand and it was it tasted like a pickle back. It was very salty, you know, gose. It was like salty and like, you know, had this deep taste to it. Yeah. Um, this is not that at all. This is just kind of a pickly lager that it's a very pleasant lager with like a little bit of a pickle taste to it. And it's great. You know, you had some and what did you think? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, this like I'm be- over here drinking this other beer, and I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this would be really good with like a, like a really good deli sandwich or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like if a you big had a Reuben or something. Yeah, yeah. Like something very, very New York deli or something. You had this alongside of it. I think yeah. it'd be absolutely perfect. Yeah. But I'm a huge fan of this, and I picked this up at pharmacy in Cary, and I'm definitely going to go back and buy up the other ones that got in there. Yeah, and bring um, me a few. If not, we might have to drive down to Deep River and raid. Oh, I their, think we absolutely have to raid go. their stash down there because I think they're open now. I think they're doing like seating and stuff. Nice. Again. Yeah, they have a big outdoor patio section. Yeah, too. You can go sit on. Yeah, it's cool. And they have live bands and stuff. 
Perfect. Yeah. So I think we got to go get some pickles, but highly recommend this. It's, you know, usually when you see pickle beer, it's like a, like it doesn't taste much like pickles or they just take the beer and put pickle juice in it. Yeah. And then it's just like, we, it's just odd. Yeah. This is kind of a exactly what you want. Like not that anybody's sitting around saying like, you know what I want a pickle beer, but like if that is your desire, this is what you want. Yeah. No, I could see that. I thought it was great. Yeah. I want some. You're going to have some. We're going to like I I almost think that this is going to be my boat beer. (laughs) You're going to have you're going to have bottles of water, no acetaminophen, pickle beers and mind haze. Those are going to be your three. You're going to have a triumvirate and jars of wickles and jars of dills. Right. Exactly. Like my cooler is literally just going to be like pickle beer, mind haze, (laughs) bottles of water and then two jars of different kinds of pickles. You have to break out the bigger Yeti. And then put some of these in that little small expandable cooler. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can take the little one on the skiff and that, yeah. this would be perfect for that. There you go. All right. Well, I think we've gotten pretty deep into this. Uh, what are you drinking over there? So I stayed in North Carolina this time as well, but I am on the complete opposite side of the state. So where Mount Olive and uh, Clayton are on the east side of the state, I am on the west side of the state at high wire brewing, which is in uh, Asheville. Right. And uh, I think a year or two ago, they opened auxiliary location in Durham. Oh, I still have never been out there. I have not been out there either, but what I'm drinking is the low pitch juicy IPA in IPA dry hopped with juicy American hops, bright and citrusy. Uh, It says more on the hops, less on the malt light in color. It's 12 ounces unfiltered. It says this thirst quenching, easy drinking IPA packs a bright citrus hot punch, juicy American hops, and light malt bill make low pitch the perfect pairing for Sandy Shores, Mountaintops, or your bestie's birthday party. Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's not a lot to this label either. It's a 12 ounce yeah. printed can, has a dog with a tuba. Sure. It's like salmon colored on top and like navy on bottom. Tuba dog. The the <laughs> low pitch and high pitch series from Highwire is a bunch of different beers. It's a lot, yeah. So this is um just one of a handful of difference that they do because there's like the normal low pitch, right. then there's the nor then there's the low pitch hazy. Right. There's the low pitch juicy. Yep. There's high pitch. So there's a bunch of different of these and I don't think I've said uh, it's pretty light on the alcohol too, four point nine percent. Right session. So it, I mean, and yeah, it's definitely pretty easy drinking. Um, yeah. So I think my <laughs> overall feeling about this is it's definitely very drinkable. Yeah, and very light. Yeah, I would say it's very clean tasting. But again, there's not very many distinct flavors in it. It's it's nothing bold. So, no. Yeah. No, I mean, especially with it being so low on the ABV, yeah. 4.9, it's supposed to be a very light drinkable right. IPA, right? It says it's bright. I would agree with that. Citrusy, maybe. A little bit. I get a little bit more back of the tongue, almost stank kind of. Okay. But not quite like a wicked weed kind of stank. Sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, very drinkable, low on the alcohol. The flavor is good. I would call it fine. Yeah. This is okay. totally fine. Again, you know, this is another one, and I keep using this statement over and over <laughs> again. If I went to a cookout right. and this was there, I would not be mad. Sure. But I would yeah. not be it's a nice psyched. beer. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It drinks good. The flavor is good. It's really nothing special. It's very solid, very drinkable, but it's not going to, it doesn't blow me out of the park. Right. And so I think the kind of gist of high wire, they have the high pitch and the low pitch. So the high pitch, I, if I'm not mistaken, they also have the high pitch juicy, the high pitch hazy, and they're just kind of like two or three ABV above from what I understand. Yeah. So maybe this is a similar kind of thing to where it's like, and I know we keep talking about this brewery, but the Firestone Walker. Yes. Right. Yeah. There's like, this would be like the mind haze where it's the, the original where it's like the lighter in the ABV, the lighter in the flavor, right? The low pitch ones are, and then there's different versions of that where Firestone Walker doesn't have that, but um, and then their double is like the high pitch, but I don't think high pitch is a double. I think it's more like a normal. Yeah. Cause even with the Firestone Walkers, the original mind haze is like a session. The double is right. more like a normal IPA. It's weird. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other thing they, um, I went to high wire last time I was in Asheville. They have a pretty cool little, uh, brewery location with like a Volkswagen dune buggy parked on top. It's like kind of a cool little spot. I went in there and it was it was the day after they had released all their 10W40 variants. Oh yeah, yeah. Which the 10W40 is their their stouts like the oil, you know, 10W40. Yeah. And I was in heaven cuz they had all the different 10W40s in a line up at the bar and I just went down the row and couldn't walk out of there. Nice. And it was they had like a Mexican hot chocolate 10W40, a coconut porter 10W40, and like all these different ones that were all these crazy flavors. And they were amazing. They were like so out of control great. And then I had an IPA and I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I've always felt about High Wire. Like, so where the High Wire Brewery is, it's on the more southern side of like downtown proper Asheville. And right in that same like three block area right. is not just High Wire. Right, but there's a Wicked lot. Weed right is there. Yep. Green Man is there. Burial yep. is there. Asheville Brewing Company is there. Yep. There's like two or three more. Wicked Weed has two spots there because they got the Funkatorium right, right there. It, yeah. Like right down the road is the Orange. It's peel. literally everything is right there. Like yeah. yeah, there's a shit ton of breweries right here, and High Wire has always been one of those ones where my wife's always like, "Where do you want to go?" And I'll give her the <laughs> top couple, and then she's, and then we'll be like, "Should we go to High Wire?" And I'm like. Eh there's so many other places. Yeah. I'd rather go to um, Asheville pizza brewing. I'd yeah. rather go to burial, yeah. you know, go by green man. But it's funny cause like all, their beers are quality. They're great. Like everything, like the stuff I've drank. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of low pitch. I, I dig the high pitch stuff. Yeah. I love the 10 W 40 series out of control. Love it. But if I was in Asheville, I'd skip it. Like I wouldn't go to high wire brewing. I'd rather go have an experience. You know, the wicked weed spot is cool. And the, Asheville Brewing Company is awesome. Oh, their food is so the good. The food's amazing. The you can sit there good. forever. We went there. We got stuck there during a rainstorm, and we were there for like three hours, and it was amazing. It was a really great time, you know? Yeah, um, and they do a bunch of goofy shit there. They'll like show movies, and yeah. you oh, yeah. can like, they'll like have football games and hockey and yeah. soccer and, you know, any, you know. Yeah. I kind, of, I kind of look at Highwire, though, as like, almost like the sycamore of Asheville because they do try a lot of cool stuff. You just don't hear about it. You don't see it drift this way. Yeah. They, they had like a rosé IPA 
that was really good. They had a, you know, I know you hate the brute IPAs, but they had a double brute IPA that I had that was really good. Okay, I guess you got to double up on the brute to make it decent. Yeah, but they, you know, they had they had a beer there called uh, Pink Drink that I had that was like it was just this bright pink weird wheat ale. Okay, um, I mean they had a lot of weird goofy beers and. Their to-go stuff was great. I mean, I highly recommend it, but again, it's like the ambiance isn't there when there's so much other stuff on that block yeah. that you're going to pass it up, you know? Yeah, like I don't find this to be nearly as good as their flagship IPA, which is Beta Nails. Yeah, which or is the, a mo- good the Mosaic, IPA. which is really good too. Yeah, Mosaic's really yeah, good Yeah, that's a great beer also. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't think this one beer really is going to, you know, change my mind about yeah. how I feel about Highwire. Yeah. I don't think that this is the best one. I also didn't really know when I bought it that the low pitch was going to be like this more sessionable ones. Yeah. And I mean, if I think about this from a sessionable 4.9% IPA range. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's just yeah. not what I typically go for. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've always, I'm always impressed by uh high wire, even though I pass them by when I, when I'm in the area, you know, I, I know it, it, <laughs> they're just one of those. They're one of those brands in my mind, you know, I know it's tough because like I've been to the brewery so many times and I always have a good time there and the beer is really good. There's just something about some of the other breweries that pull me in a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we definitely should go to the Durham location. I've never been there. Oh, absolutely. We 100% should go. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, I think they're a great beer. Yeah. Overall. And I like pickles too. So. Oh, bro. I'm so into that. <laughs> but yeah, learn me on this whole George Soros thing because I don't really know that much about this. Yeah. So um, George Soros is kind of this, you know, he is definitely a huge figure in uh, in politics nowadays. And, you know, he's well known as somebody who does a lot of funding. He funds political races down to the level of like local sheriff and local tax collector. Oh, wow. Know? So, I mean, way deep in the weeds. And so most of that funding is done through through his organization called the Open Society. And this is in America. Yeah. And so but at he some also, point he, does he it got all over from, the, from Hungary yeah, to America. Yeah, he, he does it all over the world too. So it, we'll get into that, like how that all operates. Okay. Um, but a lot, of the, a lot of the issues with George Soros is he has taken on a lot of these kind of like heavy right-wing political figures. And in the old days, some of these other kind of like authoritarian regimes and it's created. He's become this boogeyman, you know? Yeah. So a lot of people don't understand the depths of like what he does, who he does, who he is. And I, for one, am not here to like defend the guy. I'm just going to kind of explain the realities of it because he is also kind of a, like a piece of shit. And a lot of the stuff he's done in his earlier days too, because he did some very serious betting against major markets that caused huge collapses in monetary markets. Yeah. So like definitely in, bad stuff. Yeah. Like in sub-Saharan Africa, he was betting against markets there and people were investing in it and following his lead. And all of a sudden like Zimbabwe's broke, you know, and like because of the way that just money markets work and how you, how you bet against them. And so like he's done a lot of these things, but like the reality is it's impossible to verify if Soros was actually delivering these summons to families that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Ahead of their rounding up and executions. The story comes straight from him. You know, it's just, it's during a couple of interviews he spoke and he's told the story a couple of different ways over the years. You know, the guy's like 90 now. So, um, yeah, but the time frame all checks out. He was there during that time and that sort of thing was happening back then. They were, 
running around. Uh, you know, the Germans were ordering the local Jewish societies to hand out these summons to have people gather. And at the time, a lot of people that were passing these things out didn't know what was happening. They were just passing out notes from, you know, the SS guys. They didn't know what was going on. And a lot of these people were, I mean, almost all of them were rounded up and taken to, uh, you know, concentration, concentration camps where they were executed. Yeah. Um, but there's these people like Roseanne Barr and Donald Trump Jr. who heard this particular story and used it as a way to accuse Soros of being a Nazi sympathizer. They basically heard him tell this and said, oh, he was going up rounding up Jewish families. Right. And they didn't, I mean, first of all, they didn't know he was Jewish and that his family hid from, you know, the Nazis and during this time frame. And so they just kind of logged onto this and like jumped in with it. So going back to May of 2018, while the country was starting to learn what QAnon was and the midterm elections were happening uh, and they were starting to heat up somebody like Roseanne Barr during one of her more manic phases. She she's come out later and admitted that she was on uh, Zola Pam Zolpadam. What I, I'm blanking on the Yeah, name. I have no idea. Yeah, she came out later and admitted she was on this drug and it was making her crazy and she was just tweeting like nuts. And so anyways, during one of her more manic phases, she was tweeting to Chelsea quote unquote Soros Clinton. That's how she tweeted at her. Uh, and she tweeted that, hey, Chelsea Clinton, it's great that you have an opinion on the world, but you're married to George Soros's nephew. Right. Which isn't true. And so Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so Chelsea responded and said, hey, my middle name is Victoria. And I imagine George Soros's nephews are lovely people. I just happen to not be married to any of them. And I'm grateful for the important work that open society does in the world. Open society is George Soros's foundation, which funds a lot of kind of progressive left wing movements. Okay. Then Roseanne, like within a nanosecond, claps back with, Hey, sorry to have tweeted incorrect information about you. Please forgive me. By the way, George Soros is a Nazi who turned in fellow Jews to be murdered in German concentration camps and stole all of their wealth. Were you aware of that? But hey, we all make mistakes, right, Chelsea? Holy shit. Yeah. So it's like, sorry, I got your middle name wrong, but this guy's a Nazi. I'm going to double down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to double down, right? And later, <laughs> later, Roseanne deleted all this stuff because she was on drugs during all this, you know? Yeah. But the funny thing is Roseanne deleted all this stuff because she was on drugs, but the Donald, internet never forgets. Well, obviously, yeah, but also Donald Trump Jr. was like doubling down on this while his dad was president. He's just like, yeah, F you. This guy's a Nazi, you wow. know, and just going all into it. Um, it's really unlikely that Soros would slip 50 years in the future and accidentally reveal to the world that he was a Nazi sympathizer, right? Uh, especially after his family survived this whole Nazi occupied Hungary. It's just a stupid concept in general, and it would be like Ted Bundy getting away with murder for decades, then suddenly getting stopped by a cop at, at a traffic light and accidentally mentioning that his yard was full of murder victims. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. it's like, oops, uh, sorry, I forgot I killed all these people fifty years later. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So it's the real question is where did Soros come from, and you know, where does this hate come from? You know, yeah. And again, I'm not this dude who's like coming in here and defending him. I'm just looking at the historical accuracy of this stuff. Sure, you know. So, 
Uh, as we said before, Soros was born in an upper middle class Jewish family in Budapest and survived the Nazi occupation of Hungary. Soros later moved to England after World War II and studied at the London School of Economics, where he was a student of philosopher Karl Popper, whose book, The Open Society and Its Enemies, inspired the name of Soros's foundation. Soros made his fortune through investments and hedge funds on Wall Street and in Europe. His foundation, which was originally called the Open Society Fund, started in 1979 funding scholarships for black students in apartheid South Africa, an early point of contention with a lot of conspiracy-minded folks. It soon focused on promoting democracy in formerly communist Eastern European countries, including his native Hungary. Once the USSR collapsed in 1991, Soros saw this as a massive opportunity to build institutions for democracies in countries once ruled by communism. That year, he founded something called the Central European University, which was a school that was erected in Budapest aimed at promoting democratization and international cooperation. At the time, Soros was known as one of the largest donors for different causes, but he didn't have any sort of political profile to speak of. That obviously was soon about to change and not for the best. Most of the information moving forward from here is from deep dives done on either uh, Open Society or George Soros by a combination of right-wing and left-wing sources. Soros gained mainstream recognition in the early 90s, but with that came the notoriety and wild accusations that he currently deals with. Ultra-nationalistic politicians in Eastern Europe despised his plans for promoting democracy there, and they were not shy about it. These guys were writing op-eds. They were all over the news, talking to anybody they would, and writing their own blogs about it and calling him crazy because he was trying to democratize certain parts of the world that had been under control and were in control of emerging nationalists. In 1992, Soros was one of the investors who made a huge bet against the British pound before it was withdrawn from the European exchange rate mechanism. He put a huge sum of money on the line, betting that the pound would completely collapse. And then, once it did, Homeboy walked away with $1 billion profit in his pocket and a reputation as the man who broke the Bank of England. Holy shit. Yeah. So he realized this was a place where he could make money, templated it, and moved it across the world. And he repeated this, making money off of different uh, monetary systems collapsing. And a lot of people picked up on it as a way to make money, and they started doing it himself. So he's... There's a lot of blame on his shoulders for speculating on currencies and crashing these systems. Yeah. And uh, all of these factors formed this central theme behind most Soros conspiracy theories that the beliefs that he is secretly pulling the strings of nations and financial markets and that he has this sinister intent behind his worldwide donations. So at once he's basically collapsing everything and then on the flip side, he's secretly pulling all these strings and doing these little creepy things to make the world different in the way he wants, which if you take a step back and look at it, yes, that's a possible thing, you know, because yes, these markets are crashing and he's making billions of dollars on it. But at the same time, he is over in these third world countries donating a ton of money and doing these things like growing wells and, and putting all these other spots in place. And while he's doing that, it can very much seem that this is what's happening. So yeah, this gave fruit to the uh, to the ideas that you know he's this major global scumbag, which you know he 
kind of is because of what some of the stuff he was doing. <laughs> right. And so this is when the condemnation of Soros turned particularly ugly, often infused with blatant anti-Semitism. Hungarian populist Istvan Serka called Soros a puppet of quote Jerusalem. Slovakian president Jan Slota accused Soros of sending quote dirty money. The president of Malaysia implied the source was involved in a Jewish plot to wreck the country's economy. And I mean, he probably wasn't involved in a Jewish plot to wreck the country's economy, but as a Jewish man, he's betting against that economy to collapse and making money on it. So is that the same? Is it different? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's definitely some levels of, of definition in there, but Hate of Soros skyrocketed around the time of 9-11 because he dove head first into American politics. And you know how people always tell celebrities and athletes to stay out of politics? Yeah. Imagine how those same people feel when it's some random billionaire pushing his money around very local elections. Like some dude from Hungary suddenly putting $20 million into a sheriff's race in Poughkeepsie. You know, this isn't like LeBron James. This is like some dude who doesn't have a large profile dumping money. So of course it's going to be like, what are you doing over there? You know? Yeah. Seems weird. Maybe he knows some spacey future shit. It's possible. You know, <laughs> who knows? It's very, very weird. And uh, he realized early on that dominating local elections is a very serious way to work your way up, you know, where a lot of people are like cut the head off the snake. He was working from the feet up instead of from the head down, you know? because a lot of change does occur at the local levels. Um, and that is a very progressive kind of idea. Yeah. So he came in and he compared the Bush administration to quote the Nazis and communist regimes saying that George Bush had improved on the techniques of governing by fear. And he ended up spending more than $27 million opposing Bush's 2004 reelection very unsuccessfully because Bush was reelected. The, uh, the conservative movement caught on to this and they responded by unleashing rabid fury on Soros. He became a constant target for Fox News and other right-wing commentators. Bill O'Reilly at the time ran a 10-minute segment on Soros calling him a, quote, extremist and, quote, off-the-charts dangerous person, accusing him of funding, quote, propaganda and manipulating liberal politics with his fortune. Glenn Beck himself devoted a two-hour special complete with a whiteboard where he laid out the entire theory to exposing Soros as a supposed, quote, puppet master. Those narratives have remained constant ever since. Rush Limbaugh said Soros was pulling the marionette strings of Obama, and during the 2016 campaign when Soros contributed more than $25 million to Hillary Clinton and other Democratic candidates, Infowar host Alex Jones called Soros the epitome of evil and accused him of running a quote Jewish mafia and trying to overthrow the government. Uh, and as we said earlier, Donald Trump Jr. Roseanne Barr got in on all the fun with their tweeting uh, and basically called him a Nazi also. So at the same time, everybody's calling him a Nazi. He's also running a Jewish mafia, you know, you know, yeah, something's not lining up, <laughs> right? Yeah. So because the way he supported you know, Obama, Hillary, uh, there's a lot of stuff there where people started associating him with a lot of the conspiracy theories that were running along that same time. 
A analysis by the company Vocative last year found that between June of 2016 and March of 2017, conservative news organizations, including Breitbart and Infowars, mentioned Soros 7,983 times compared to 2,473 mentions in other outlets that were not like far-right outlets. Yeah. Many of the stories about Soros' political influence are based in fact, but overstate his influence on events happening now. For example, Fox News reported in March 2017 that Soros donated $246 million to backers of the Day Without a Woman protest. Um, this was a protest back in before the midterms where uh, women weren't going to go to work. And so everybody was going to see what happened when women weren't going to work or taking care of kids. It was this whole thing, um, which was kind of interesting. But the study on which the story is based explained that those donations went to over 100 of the protests, 544 partner organizations over a 15-year period. So what started as Fox saying Soros gave $246 million to the people that supported this day without a woman, what it actually meant was he gave $246 million to a hundred different partners over 15 years. Yeah. So a little different. Yeah. Uh, the vitriol directed at Soros continued through today. Looking at Google trends, the Soros name is ranking pretty high in red states. And if you look at right wing news sites, there are dozens and dozens of articles about him in the, just the last week, ranging from the idea that he's completely funding Antifa attacks on the Arizona recount to Soros being behind the whole Derek Chauvin trial. Today, basically anything Soros gets involved with becomes a hard right target of contention and any organization where two liberals stand in the same room becomes an operation funded by Soros. Adrenochrome harvesting, child trafficking, fake alien invasions, Joe Biden's nanobot surgeries. Just search any of those specific things I just mentioned on DuckDuckGo with the word Soros pinned to it and you're going to find dozens of articles mentioning how he bankrolls all of them. Dang. Um, so where are you standing on this? What do you what do you think? I I don't know. It's like this <laughs> dude's like the liberal Rockefeller or some shit. Right. Yeah. He's kind of like so so conservatives have the Koch brothers who are like these two dudes that are super rich and they just invest in everything across the board. Yeah. And he's kind of like that, you know. Um, but because he's been like that, you get a lot of these like right wing talk radio people who morph that into he's drinking the blood of children and so and so and so, you know, a lot of the like blood libel like we talked about in the early QAnon episodes. If you don't like progressive politics, then yeah, he probably is this evil guy. Like he is a guy contributing all that stuff. He's basically the left's version of the Koch brothers and he is actually jamming millions and millions of dollars into local democratic elections for everything from local sheriff to, to Biden's election. And he pissed off all these right wing commentators and that anger metastasized into full-blown murderous rage with the expansion of the QAnon belief system. So much so that George Soros is now under constant security surveillance, especially since a MAGA supporter sent a mail bomb to his office in New York. Uh, it was a woman named C uh, or a man named Caesar Syoc sent a bunch of bombs around to, to Hillary Clinton, George Soros, all these people. And uh, obviously he wasn't injured, but you know, now a days when you ask anyone on the right who George Soros is, you get this instant answer that he's this evil child trafficking billionaire guy to maybe he funds Antifa, maybe BLM. 
uh, either way with his billions of dollars, he wouldn't have enough money to fund even close to these conspiracies that he's talking about, you know, because they're speaking about he's, he's in here funding underground military bases for Antifa and BLM. And, and, you know, you can go all over the internet and find a million different places talking about what he's paying for. And there's no way any of that money will add up to even what he closely has. Right. Even recently, I think he's given away billions of dollars uh, in the past couple of years. He's given away, uh, I think 75 to 80% of his wealth. Oh shit. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really wild. And you know, you can see a similar thing with somebody like Bill Gates, where Bill Gates is this evil icon in the world. And, and he's, I'm sure Bill Gates is an evil shit. You know, billionaires do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is based on like what he's funding because he's not funding directly what they agree with. That's why he becomes evil, you know? Right. And they build it up. And also, I mean, there's a lot we don't know about George Soros. He's a very private dude. You know, he funds his stuff and he stays in his lane. He doesn't go on the news. He doesn't do interviews, you know, whereas other people on, on the other side, they're on the TV all the time talking, you know, so we don't have a lot of insight into what his direct beliefs are aside from looking at the money he's spending. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard to decipher situation, but a lot of the stuff that we know about him are just based on where he's putting his money and he's putting his money on the left and that pisses people off. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, what do you think? Do you think he's like some crazy Nazi Jewish dude? Crazy Nazi Jewish? No, no, I don't <laughs> you think know so. What I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying is I think, I think the stories about him being a Nazi sympathizer are stupid. I think, I think he grew up in a civilization and era where you know, his, his father did a thing where they basically pretended not to be Jewish so they wouldn't be killed by Nazis. And they had the paperwork forged to do that. Sure. And so he walked away from that. And it seemed like people, when he was a kid, knew that that happened still, especially in that area. And he was still handed this task of passing out these papers to people telling them to go to the concentration camps essentially. Yeah. Um, is that evidence of him being a Nazi super sympathizer? No, I don't think so at all. I think that's what people do to survive at those time frames. You know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think I think it would be silly to make that into a, a Nazi sympathizer kind of situation. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell with these like super rich multi-billionaire yeah. dudes, you know what I mean? Because it's like they have so much money yeah and resources and like all we can really see is where he's putting it on the political spectrum and the fact that he's going out here crashing money markets and stuff like well yeah and that's a huge part of it is where did his money come from it came from bad places like he, he yeah he caused endless suffering hurt and death with where he got his money from yeah you know uh, markets collapsed people starved and people died for him to make billions of dollars. Right. But then he decided that that billions of dollars should go into progressive US elections. So essentially, he's stealing money from the third world and funneling it into progressive politics. So I mean, yeah. I wouldn't call that nice. I wouldn't call that, you know, super good. Right. That's not that's not like a it's not like he 
invented the cure to cancer and then use that money to fund progressive politics. Right. But what he did do was mess up a lot of people's lives and then give that money to Hillary Clinton, the sheriff (laughs) in Detroit running for reelection, you know? Yeah. And and a lot to, you know, 26 million to Hillary Clinton here, 30 million to Joe Biden there. And then, you know, and that's the part we see. And then you have PACs like political action committees that he's probably dumping millions into that we don't see. Um, And he definitely has a chosen side. So I think he's as evil as your own personal morality is. And, and I'm going to say it again. I say it all the time. I think George Soros is like tofu. He's exactly what you put on him, and that's what he's going to taste like. If you're very progressive and you love Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, then George Soros is going to num, 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 taste really good because that's what he's putting all of his money into. Right. If you are uh, on the other spectrum, you're red-pilled, you hate anyone on the progressive side, and you're a Trump supporter, well, George Soros is going to be evil because he's putting all that money in, you know? And along the way, you see a lot of conspiracy theories of things like, oh, George Soros is funding protesters at this and protesters at that. If we know anything about America, it's that we do not have a lack of protesters. Right. They're out there all the time, whether you give money or not. And right. I don't think we're giving money to, to women's protesters. I mean, I was, at, I was at the Women's Day protest after Trump was elected in Los Angeles. And those people did not need to be paid to get there. Everybody was very upset (laughs) and everybody was very forward. And I would be surprised. I would be very convinced if someone told me, yeah, everybody paid $5 to come out here and protest. Like that would make sense to me, but like being paid $5 would seem weird. Yeah. You know? Um, And then I think it's easy to attribute in the countries where he grew up in Hungary and the Eastern Bloc and stuff. People do things like that where they pay protesters and they pay things. So it's easy to say like, well, he came from Hungary. So that's how it works back there. Yeah. Even though he's lived in New York since 1952 or whatever, you know? Right. So it's, there's a lot there. You know, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of different where the money was exchanged, who, who happened with what. But I think, I think he's just a dude who likes liberal politics, has dunched, dumped a bunch of money into it. And the place where he got the money was shitty, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably the key to me is not necessarily where the money's going now and what side of the fence you're on that makes you think that that is good right. or bad. It's this moral question of where did this money come from? What did he have to do to get it? Well, and how many people did he have to hurt to here's an get example. that money? Yeah, here's a perfect example. So yeah. here in Raleigh, we have Cameron Village, right? Yes. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. It's not Cameron Village anymore. Right. So they've taken away the name of it. So if it was the whole area was built and funded by this guy, Cameron, who like was a slave owner. I mean, that's why they took it. He was a slave owner, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So he was this slave owner. They took they took everything away. They took his name off of it now. And so now he, you know, his name is stricken. You know, he was quote unquote canceled, whatever. Um, Yeah. Should we look at what his money funded? Like, did did his money fund some of the original grading and roads and things like that? Should we be against those roads? Or are we just against the idea that his name was on it? Yeah. I don't, it's a deep I don't, question, right? It's yeah, tough. And yeah, I don't really know the answer to that. 
that's the problem with things like cancel culture and stuff like that is that like once you start picking away at that scab, it becomes a more and more, it's not a simple yes or no. It's like, you know, look at Jefferson. You know, we have all these ideas of Jefferson did really good. He was a founding father. He helped create this country, but he owned and slept with slaves. And there's, you know, he has grandkids who were partnered with slaves. Yeah. So, okay. So he was a slave owner. Do we take away the idea that he was a founding father? And he wrote parts of, you know, the Bill of Rights and these different things. Like, do we take away those things? You know, and like, so look at Hamilton. Hamilton had an affair on his wife and was kind of canceled over that back in the day. So do we take away that he wrote the Federalist Papers? You know, so it's like, at what point do you start taking those things away? And if you're somebody who's progressive, you're not going to agree with removing the, the quote-unquote good that Soros has done by funding a lot of these elections with his open society project. You know? Right. So it's like you're picking and choosing and it's a little bit on the right. hypocritical side. And yeah, I mean, if, you know, if you, you know, say, say you're like your dad puts you through college and you go through college and you become a doctor. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're a doctor and you go to Africa and you, you make this new surgery on how to save kids eyeball sight because they now you have the surgery where you can help their eyeballs or something and like pull worms out of them or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Then you find out your dad was a drug dealer and he murdered a bunch of people. Like I can't be a doctor now because drug deal money paid for college. Right. And that's like, what you're getting at. Do all those kids in Africa now have to go, you have to bl- go back and blind them. Yeah. Like, I mean, where does it end? Like wh- where does it stop with? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, so yeah, he may use his dirty gotten money to do good things. If you consider them good things, depending on what side of the political spectrum you're on. Sure. But you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about where the money came from. Yeah. I don't know. I'm and talking I don't, a lot. I'm talking a lot, but I'm not sure. I don't yeah. have a, I don't have a final opinion. on. It. I don't really know that much about him to begin with. Like what yeah. I know about him was what we've learned now. And I don't really have a strong opinion. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people that their whole life is like wrapped up in who this guy is and what he does. He's yeah. a rich old asshole. And there's so many rich old assholes and they do such asshole things. <laughs> I know. You know, it's like I know. Yeah. To, to me, I what I always think about when I think about these like ultra rich people is like, what are they doing that we don't see? Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what I would be more interested in, but of course there's no way for us to know that. Yeah, of course. We don't see that stuff. So Yeah. I mean, you look at something like the Panama Papers where people learn how to hide all their money. Yeah. You know, how much of his money? So he gave away 80% of his money. Where did that go? You know, yeah, air quotes. I saw your air I'm quotes. I'm making air bunny quotes. Yeah. Gave yeah. away. I mean, you know, uh, Bill Clinton gave away, or not Bill Clinton, sorry, Bill, Bill Gates gave away, you know, a ton of his wealth. That's just so Melinda Gates couldn't get it when she divorced his ass. <laughs> right, right. Is that where it went? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. I mean, Bill Gates was also friends with Epstein. So like, where, where does that go? You know, so it's... I don't know. It, it's a really bizarre thing, like where money comes from and who uses it and what happens to it afterwards. Yeah. Because, you know, money doesn't die with you. This isn't ancient Egypt. We're not burying you in a tomb with all your bucks. Right. You know? So your money keeps going. They go somewhere, nowhere, or the government takes it. Go somewhere, you know? Yeah. You know, and like, and then you look at like multiple family dynasties, like, you know, you look at Ronald Reagan, like this great Republican guy who did all this cool stuff. Sure. And then one of his sons is a hardcore liberal and everybody hates that guy because yeah. he's like, he's like not the, not the Republican son. Yeah. But you know what? He's got as much of 
of Ronald Reagan's money as the rest of his kids do. Yeah. So he's spending it the way he wants to, you know? Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Money's a, money's a weird thing. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't really, I don't really know. Y'all should tell us if you have an opinion about this one, shoot us an email. I'd love get to get with it. us on Instagram. Come to the Patreon. Come to our Discord. Come yeah. hang out. Tell us what you think. I'd love to hear anybody's theory about this dude since I don't know that much about him. Yeah. And us. I mean, I've been reading a lot about him. So if if anybody has some some deep cuts on George Soros, I'd love to I'd love to debate and talk about it. Yeah. The Soros papers. Yeah. Let's see those. Yeah. I'm into it. Cool. All right, everybody. All right, guys. Well, Thanks for coming back. Listen to another episode of uh, Berluminati and we will see you again next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Berluminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Berluminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will because, again, mind control is real. Mind control is real.